0: Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to season two of Renewables. We've taken a short break, and uh, we're really, really excited to be back. I'm David Smart, your host, our Senior Vice President of Sales at Biostar Renewables, and very excited about our first episode of the season with John B. Conger from Culture Index. John B. is a a colleague of mine. We've used uh, Culture Index's services for several years now. He's become a a personal friend of mine uh, and really, really appreciate you taking time to come on the show. Welcome to Renewables.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I am too. Um, I think what you do and what Culture Index does is really fascinating. Uh, we're gonna get into that today. It's absolutely an instrumental part of our our hiring process, our strategic planning. Um, particularly right now, we're really in growth mode, so we're really planning what are the next three, four, five years gonna look like from a personnel standpoint and how do we make sure that we don't make any mistakes in the hiring process from there. And so we're gonna get into how John B and his team really serve us um, with instrumental tools that allow us to make hiring decisions quickly. And, and so we're gonna get into that. Uh, we're gonna get into the labor market today. Uh, We're going to get into all sorts of different topics. So, really excited about this episode. But before we jump in, John B., if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm spoiled. I'm a sales guy, and you happen to be, you know, have a background in the energy space. So, that's been even more instrumental for me because you really understand our business and understand what you're doing. But, set the stage for our viewers and listeners. Tell us a little bit about your background and and how your your kind of journey through the energy space, and how you ended up at Culture Index.
1: I love the energy market. It's always been a real fascination and intrigue of mine. I graduated from a university in uh, biosystems and environmental engineering, and so my emphasis was soil, water, air. When I first got out of school, I got into sales engineering, and I was we were selling automated robotic equipment. So what we go in is I was at a plant in Mississippi in 2008, and they were wanting to develop an automated turnkey assembly line to manufacture solar panels. And this was back before solar in the U.S. was really starting to take off. Mm-hmm. And it was still a little bit of a foreign object. And so I really started to learn through these manufacturers. They were starting to ramp up for these plants because they were anticipating about two to three years down the line there was going to be a need in the market. And as a result, I went home and I started really researching what are the trends in the energy space? Is solar real? Because it's something that I had a real interest in, in renewable energies. And is this going to be something that could become mainstream and ultimately for business owners to be able to start taking control ownership of their energy and producing it at a high level? And so what I did is the only company I could find in the Southeast region, I was in Alabama at the time were these old NASA engineers that had helped to develop uh, solar for space exploration in the 70s. And these guys were wicked smart, but they had retired from NASA. They were in their 60s. It was two guys from NASA and a guy from Boeing. And I just walked up to them. I walked in their office one day and they looked at me, who are you? And I said, I've noticed that y'all in the commercial solar space and I've got interest. We sat down, we had some common ground and about six months later, they had a need, came on board. And there were some real incentives. So fast forward, this is in 2010, TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority in Tennessee, had some incentives at $2 a rebate back then, which now seems crazy. But the yeah. cost of solar at that time was $8 a watt. Yeah. And as you can see now in 2021 how much that's come down. So that $2 offset about quarter of the the costs. And then we had the federal incentives. Well, we got involved and I was at that time, they joked anything that they didn't want to do, they handed over the fence to me. So I did engineering, I did project manager, sales, office admin, accounting, it didn't matter. And so what gave me was I started to get a really robust view of just business and operating. And I started my career the first two weeks, they said, here's a wrench, pliers, you're going to go install and you're going to learn this from the ground up. So I learned how wow. to wire the panels to do the construction and really get hands on. Now,
0: what, what were you installing? What, like where was the project? Tell me a little bit of just about the project.
1: So David, you might find this funny. So we were in North Alabama, okay. North Alabama and out to Arkansas has a lot of Tyson poultry chicken houses. Yeah. And if you know anything about the poultry industry, They set these houses up. Uh, They're about the length of a football field, 400, 500 feet, and they all are facing due south. Mm -hmm. You know anything about solar, the ideal is have it face south, about 20 degrees, and these Mm were perfect. And so they made the perfect uh, application for just being able to install solar. So we installed 30-plus, I'm guessing, in the first year nice rooftops of poultry houses
0: that's (laughs) awesome
1: but i was spending my time in july and august in alabama heat (laughs) on the rooftops
0: how long did it take to get used to the smell
1: (laughs) (laughs) i grew up on a farm on a hog and cattle farm so i was somewhat accustomed to it but
0: yeah that's awesome well they sound like great projects actually and they were
1: great uh, projects uh, and so Part of the reason I hit it off for the founders, he and I both grew up in the agriculture business. He grew right. up in the poultry, and so my job was to go up to farmers and find them and just talk to them, have a casual conversation. You said, how, how would you like to have another crop, and how would you like to be able to take in some of the advantages of what they also had in USDA and agriculture and tax credits, and it ended up being a really great
0: partnership. That's super interesting. Yeah.
1: I got to Kansas City and I got engaged with you as, as you know, uh, legislation was passed in Missouri where they had some really strong incentives and so was fortunate to come on board, moved from Alabama, took my family to Kansas City and we were with an organization where our focus was commercial solar and came in as the engineer, moved quickly to sales and then got into VP of sales, they asked me to take over sales for the organization and how I even, I got in with culture indexes we were hiring as you know you can bring on sales folks but I quickly realized some were better suited to be more your farmers account managers some were better inside sales some were better more of a strategic analytical value proposition and I made some bad hires yeah and it was costing us and I was also struggling knowing how do I best identify these individuals on the front end but as we scaled but also how do we better manage and communicate to them. And what I soon realized is it was not that they were all bad sales reps. Right. <laughs> Some of that was on me. I was sure. not setting them up for, for success in the right roles or management. And Culture Index really helped open my eyes to how do you identify these folks on the front end better, manage, communicate, retain them as, as you scale the, the organization.
0: Fit round pegs and round holes, right? That's, that's kind of what we talk about.
1: That's the name of the game. And then on the project management and execution, um, you're only as good if you're out selling that product as the delivery and Absolutely. business and reputation. And so once you throw it over the fence, do you have what I consider you can frame out the house, but do you have the finished carpenters to come in, execute that work, drive those projects, do the scheduling, the project management, when there's complexities to that, someone that can lay out the plans, but then also allocate to the respective team members to make sure it's executed sure. and finished.
0: And you bring up a really cool point, because when I first learned about your business, I I love people and interpersonal communication. So I was totally fascinated by your survey and the results and, and just the whole process and understanding how certain people work with others. It all fascinated me. But I had sort of a, I was thinking about it more of, you know, we need a CFO, we need uh, senior vice president. Um, and you really, it doesn't matter what level, you know, you're hiring for, you are really good at helping people, kind of arming people to, to be able to build out teams. One of our uh, primary EPC partners out of Denver that builds a lot of projects uh, for us and a, a lot of big projects around the country is also utilizing your services. And that's really for more like, and correct me if I'm wrong, they land a big job they need to, to scale a team fast. Have people on site in you know forty five days or whatever it is. So, talk about how your tool, um, or maybe we'll kind of get in a little bit to what the actual survey is and sort of how it works, and then we can kind of tie that back to how that allows you or enables you and your customers to to build out teams quickly and, and scale up their team.
1: Yeah. So what we see is, and this is across any industry, assuming. David, you know this, you've got a good product and then you've got good processes. The integral piece, the third leg of that stool to make it all run is your people. Mm -hmm. And we're fortunate to work with thousands of different types of organizations, all shapes and sizes. And here's the number one common denominator we see. If you've got strong leadership and you've got strong people, they're going to drive results. If you can get A players, they're going to end up winning. And so you're in a competitive situation in the market, better people that you have, they're going to find ways to innovate, um, implement, and, and execute. Sure. <laughs> so that's what our business is. is really how do you build effective teams, identify players, and then retain them. And So, for example, we have a short survey. And what it does is this measures work-related traits. There's not a right or wrong. And here's what you'll see. It's just like a sports team, you're – Chief Sky, I am too. Not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's the same position, and that's a good thing. And so what it is is saying, how do I identify, A, what are my strengths, or if I'm building out a team, how can I really leverage the unique skill sets and traits of each person on that team? And then how can I build complementary pieces around them? Mm -hmm. And so the contractor you're referring to in Denver, they do a really good job of this from the top down. So they've got really strong leadership they're also identifying future leaders already. Mm -hmm. They know these are certain attributes that we need, and they're not all the same, but they're flagging people that have been inside the organization. So that as they transition on and they move outside the organization, they're not flat footed and they have a good succession plan. Number two is whenever you hit on this, on these job projects, they use the data to build out their teams. And so in that, that world, especially when it's boots on the ground, they they need a combination of a couple things. They do need some strong project managers operations that can really see big picture come up with strategy. Uh, When they're working with vendors and subs, they have to have foresight, head off fires, but they also need some people that can really drive those projects, have tough conversations at times, but then they also need a lot of, think of your finished carpenter work where it's Mm -hmm. a lot of precision, it's a lot of accuracy, following the blueprints, and so how do you find really detailed, organized individuals, strong craftsmanship that when it's cold, when it's hot, they don't skip on that. And so they've done a really mm-hmm. good job of finding, identifying those pieces. And so what that helps them do is a couple things is one, drive the top line. But if we sold this project at 10, to 30% margin, do we have the people on the back end to follow the rules, policies, procedures, execution? So we drive those margins and that's key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only for profitability, but also for client retention, because typically if you follow that project, you met timeliness, you executed that, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to get a repeat customer. Absolutely. If not, then you lose that. And then they also have an apprentice school. And this applies to a lot of organizations, but you know, with the labor market, it's not always easy just to find people. So they're doing a really good job at finding people in their late teens, early 20s, that well, let's teach you let's teach you Mm -hmm. the trade we're identifying people that have the clay that can be molded and then we'll teach you the attributes and they're building a farm system then a bench within but they here's what they're doing a really good job of yes we know that you go be an electrician or installer but what's your upside there from there some Mm can go in estimating some project management super sales accounting different aspects of the business and so they know that very early on to help develop a career path so that they can see a light at the end of the table and help retain those individuals.
0: Yeah, you know, the training piece is, is so important. And it's a piece that, frankly, as a, a small entrepreneurial business, uh, you know, it's a piece that we have to work extra hard on just because, you know, we don't have a big six or 10-week training program that all the new hires go through. Um, and so it's something we really have to work a little extra on, and we really have to take more of a team approach. Um, but but that's a great example, and and that you know, EPC contractor, developer. I know you have all sorts of different organizations that that you work with and that utilize your different services um, in various ways. And so I want to get a little, I want to get to that more, dig into that a little bit more. But you mentioned the labor market. Um, And so let's just touch on that really quick, because I think that's been a really hot topic and really a struggle for a lot of business owners uh, this summer. And, and, you know, this whole last year and a half has been crazy. But I I know uh, the rehiring effort has been really difficult. Talk a little bit about that and just kind of what you're seeing and what's working and what's not working for your clients.
1: Yeah, if you look over these past 18 months, it has been a radical shift. And these are some articles that I read. We went from a era what beginning of twenty twenty. It was the lowest unemployment rate since World War Two, something like mm-hmm. that. And then we went to the most unemployed that almost since the Great Depression.
0: Right. Like over almost overnight. I mean
1: in a six, you know, less than six months. Right and now it's getting back to where people are coming back to work but some people now are do i want to go back to that job do i want to go back to an office go i want to go back to the field you know as, mm-hmm. a, as as we've been doing more zoom and communication that's been tough for employers and a lot of sure. companies we're working with are really battling that do we go back to where we mandate people to come in the office do we not are we more flexible because some people are starting to value that and that's something you got to think about in this organization and then obviously the a lot of the skilled trade, this has been really tough mm-hmm. because of just some of the unemployment <clears throat> packages. It's, do I want to go back in a stressful heat working in some of these? Where is the pay worth it to me? And so I think there's a couple things. What we see people um, doing successful is, is still people want to be invested in. So I do think it's more important than ever that training, equipping, individuals and like you said this is something that a lot of organizations we're running tight we're running lean we don't always have the time to give to people but i would encourage mm-hmm. you if you can to make sure you've got a really good training mentoring program the best that you can number two sure. is once you do have people think about any of us the number one reason people stay in organizations so david do you know what the number one reason people are disengaged typically at work uh,
0: no upside or the manager
1: It's a manager. So, if you are listening to this and you're a leader, congratulations. The number one reason that people are disengaged at work are because of you. But, also the number one reason that you can keep people is because of you. And so, making sure that when you are bringing people on, they have proper expectations, training them. But they feel like I'm getting managed effectively, communicated to, and then also, yes, is there a Is there a career path here? Mm -hmm. Is there upside? Because people believe it or not, I mean, money isn't always going to be important, but I think it's around number five, assuming my basic needs are met and I've got like the coworkers. I like my manager and I like the job that I'm doing. It does fall a little bit farther down the line. So as long as you can be somewhat competitive, it is, is creating an environment with coworkers and making sure you get people in a good fit. You know, it's just like, um, I happen to know David, but David is naturally and part of the human reason he does these podcasts. Well, he's got a natural ability to connect with people. He's got a natural ability also when he's in front of clients So paint a story. This is what you're getting into and be able to, to kind of softly nudge and help grow business. Those are skills that you can't teach. But if I took David and said, why don't you come over here and do our accounting and spend the next you three You would want months to do that, that, don't. He's not going to stick with me. And that right. sounds extreme, but there's a lot of people that we go into roles and we sell ourselves, or I need the role. And then it's mm-hmm. just not a fit for us. And neither mm-hmm. party's happy with that. And so I think if you can do a good job of assessing and running square pegs, square holes, then managing that talent effectively so that they're happy there, developing a career path for them, um, then you've done the best job. And then recruiting, yeah. and there is a war on talent right now. You know this, David. So when you go out and get a product, you just wait for people to come to your doorstep.
0: Right.
1: No. No. <laughs> You're not going to, for most you of go us, sell it. unless we're Amazon or someone, which we're not, we're not going to grow our business. So what do we have to do? We've got to go, go market our product. Sure. We've got to proactively take it to people. Yeah. We've got to be able to sell it. And, When it comes to talent, there are some organizations that do a good job of this, but a lot really do a poor job of just as we sell our product to clients, selling our organization to to Mm -hmm. potential employees or proactively going after talent. You're selling another product, but it's people. But the best organizations we serve put such a premium and I got to get the right people. And if we do that, like Jim Collins is good to great. The rest will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And, but so many people to say, well, I'm not getting applicants. It's a type of lar- labor market. Well, I saw an article on Forbes, most of almost 70% of job seekers are passive job seekers. Mm-hmm. They're not active, meaning they're not online typically coming after you. And so you've got to go after them or they're casually just looking online. What's opportunity. So we've been constructing job ads, Or having referral programs for your employees. Hey, who do you know? Most of the jobs we get are through contacts. And so I think just having a much more proactive, robust approach to going and finding talent that is there is, is really integral.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think in some ways from the company side of things, it can feel like you're really in the driver's seat or there's sort of a mentality maybe that you're in the driver's seat and they're applying to work with you. But Um, if you want to retain the best people the best talent you have to sell your company and make sure that it's a good fit for them one thing I really like about your and I I don't want to uh, give away the product here but one thing I really like and uh, that really attracted me at first to your product I mentioned earlier I like people and so I like talking to people and it's actually really easy for me to like you if I just met you like we'll find some common ground, we'll find something that we both are interested in and we'll be buddies. And so from a hiring standpoint, that is not always a good thing because before we had your service, I generally liked most of the people who came through the door and interviewed. And just because I liked them and got along with them doesn't mean that they're right for the position, right? And so what, what we do, uh, this survey, and one thing, I won't get too much into it, but one thing I love is the ability for the the C-suite or whoever's hiring in the company to, there's first a survey for them, right? And it's, what do you want out of this position? And everybody takes the survey and that builds sort of your, your model Kind of candidate and then as candidates come in the first thing they do is they take your survey and what what i really like about that is it immediately tells you gives you kind of a go no-go or sometimes it's marginal but but it's really a go no-go yes this person would would work in this role or no this person really is not a good fit for this role and that first step was so huge for us because then you get to the second step and, you know, you're, you bring to us, hey, here's three, four or five candidates that really would all probably work in this role. Now here's the nuances of each one. And one thing I tell this story about John B. a lot, we did a corporate retreat and um, John, you know, we had, I think recently retained uh, culture index and your services and um, we would go into this company retreat and nobody really knows John going in, right? Except for a couple of the, the kind of C-suite executives. And John comes in and he just starts talking about everybody and you know you know David kind of you kind of like to do this and you really connect with people blah, blah blah and everyone's like how does he know this you know I mean you really were able to tell people a lot about um, themselves and kind of how they act and what they you know type of work they like to do um, so anyways I just thought that was fascinating but you do a lot more than than manage these surveys right I mean that that's sort of just the the first step and you all really bring a lot of different services, helping write job ads, um, helping to increase employee engagement. You told me before this call, I think it was a Gallup or some poll that 50% of employees are are disengaged. Um, So I wanted you to talk about that a little bit and then just some of the other ancillary value that you bring to your clients.
1: Yeah, so there's Gallup does a State of American Workforce each year And it says, what percentage of our American workforce is actively engaged? Two is passively disengaged or three is actively disengaged. And so high level, these numbers fluctuate, but we've seen it anywhere. 30% of active engagement up to almost 40. But it usually high level is somewhere between around a third of our American workforce roughly is actively engaged coming wow. in and work they want to be there but that's a so you think about that then obviously what's that tell us well two-thirds of our american workforce for whatever reason mm-hmm. is not actively engaged i may be showing up for 40 hours a week collecting a paycheck but it's just a job to me right so i had an opportunity now what i would say is that does represent to you opportunity for anybody here listening because sure. there's a vast majority of our workforce if you tapped them on the shoulder it would give you time mm-hmm. now the flip side of that is if you are an employer you got to really take seriously are our people here because you don't want to lose good people that you brought on you taking the time to train and, and they can leave Yep. and so as a result of that what and that's where you have to ask the question then why and it is because of the manager it is is number one co-workers and and then fit in the job so you want to see then are we doing those things well to, to retain our talent? Um, but then what we also with our services, we have the ability to see once we've hired someone, are they engaged? Are who they are, their normal traits, are those being leveraged at work? Mm-hmm. And you can see, are they, being, um, are they engaged, are they being challenged? Or some cases, am I being stressed to the nines? So an example of that could be, it's like the check engine lights on your car. We can see if they're stressed. It doesn't mean that your transmission's falling out today, but if they continue in that state in a year from now, that's not going to be healthy for them. Right. And that's going to cause disengagement or fatigue or stress or health conditions. We see that. Or the flip side could be they've got some natural traits, but those aren't getting leveraged. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they're not challenged. Mm-hmm. And that's a flight risk, too, because I don't, I'm don't, i not getting energized by the work that I'm doing, and therefore... Sure going to look for another opportunity i think
0: that's key super to, interesting oh please
1: is coming into organizations though first and assessing who you have yeah because so many of us do not realize who we have on our team we think we do but it's even like you can go on a few dates with someone you're married how long have you been married david
0: uh four years so four five years and now you probably years. know
1: a little bit more And right and good or bad, she knows more about you now. Right. (laughs) There's no more faking it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I look at this. This is a way to get to really know someone and who's really going to show up when stress, when the newness wears off in six months or one year into this relationship. What are you really getting? Number Mm -hmm. two, this is who I'm getting. How do I communicate effectively with them then? because the way you communicate with your wife and how you communicate with someone else could be different and it just helps give insights in that. Ed, but then also strategically looking at the organization. where are we strong as an organization? What are the traits that we have? Are we strong, maybe it's with vision and strategy, but we're weak with execution or vice versa. We got great people and skills, but are we lacking some of the analytical and, and there's different aspects to that and so then Says, well, this is what we've got. Then, number two, if this is what we have, then is everybody properly aligned? Do we have yeah. them in the best position to be successful? You got to make those current team you got the most successful and efficient possible. Then that starts to give you really clarity. Instead of us just going to kind of wing it in and bring it in, then who do we need? Right. And how can we strategically go identify those people? Then that's where you brought up the piece. Okay, if this is what we need, then how do we find it on the front end and take some of the guesswork out? Yeah, And so I think of it as three bucket strategic design. This is who you have, but this is what ultimately we're trying to go over the next one, three, five years. So if that's the case, then where do we need to add in and beef up? And then that helps us identify the right people. And then third is is managing that talent
0: effectively. And I'm glad you went there because I think that was one of the most important, really integral things that we did with our organization was really kind of take a level set of who do we have? What are we good at? Are there any changes we need to make internally to enable ourselves for, you know, the best opportunity? How often do you see, I mean, do you find a lot of success in going in and saying, you know, this person is really not quite in the right role. What if we did this? I mean, is that pretty common? How often is that successful that you're able to sort of repurpose somebody inside of an organization.
1: I want to give you two quick stories. It is far more common than what you would think. Mm -hmm. And I have both these two are are contractors, developers, Mm -hmm. but one of them was at a place that were about a $250 million organization. And you had the typical visionary CEO. Yep. And then he had hired someone to be his COO. Duke grad, had all the accolades, friend of the family, brings them in. And six months later, it's just not working. Mm-hmm. A really sharp guy, but the things that they needed in that role, it was just a misfit for yep. that particular position. So we got introduced and started going through. said, are you experiencing this, this, this? He's like, oh my gosh, how do you know this? I said, well, it's all in the data. And I mm-hmm. see also who he feels like he needs to be, which is not who he is. Mm-hmm. And so I said, now, these are some other roles. I said, well, if I move him out, what do I do? Because I've got to go find a COO and spend a lot of money. I said, first of all, do we have someone inside the organization? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Let's look. Look down, and they build I said, let's build out a benchmark for what's ideal. That was the first step. And we yep. identified what those traits were. He had two people on his team with that. And I mm-hmm. said, do you know this guy here? His name was Phil. And I, he said, yeah, he's a sharp guy. He's an engineer, but he's only in his mid-20s. I said, he is has the potential, trait wise to do this role for you. Mm-hmm. You might have a conversation. And so, obviously, he wasn't ready to move in that day one. But here's what they did do. They said, we are going to do this. What we're They found him a mentor for about a year, someone that mm-hmm. really sees and fast-tracked him. They put him in that seat. And it was within about 12, 18 months, they went from losing $3 million on the bottom line because of hmm. some hiccups and operations that could have been avoided to making $3 million. So $6 million swinging at about a 12 month period. And they credit that to that one person. Sure. I had another company similar is a, is a software business. And, and the dad, again, was his family owned business, third generation, been around for 60 plus years. And dad says, look, I'm tired of getting so much in the business. I'm at a place I want to step back. I don't know who my successor is. And we've got a COO, but I don't think he's the right person. He's not doing a real adequate job. And I said, well, let's look at your current team. His son is about 30 years old. And I said, have you looked at your son to be COO? Well, he's in sales and marketing I said, have you looked at your son to be COO because he mm-hmm. has the attributes? And he said, I kind of thought that, but he's kind of younger in his career, and I just didn't know, and I didn't want to put him in a position to be successful. They put him in that role, and they had the most profitable year they had hmm. had in 50-plus years a year later. Wow. And I would attribute to and so, and I give that example because that was this gentleman's own son that he knew, but there was kind of this timid. And so you just you never know. Um, sure. And I, I think those are the most successful stories, because I love when people can find talent currently or do a really good job of promoting from one them, because it sets a culture that, hey, I can have an opportunity to move here in the organization. And Absolutely. we're not always bringing outside. And Harvard Business Review had an excellent article. They studied the S&P 1500 a couple months ago, and Harvard mm-hmm. uh, Business Review came out with this. And they showed that companies that trillions of dollars a year have been lost because of poor secession planning and just thinking we need to go outside and hire executives. Mm-hmm. And that, the data showed more times than not, you're better from promoting them. But people don't know who can do that job. And that's a big sure. part of what we try to do.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. And I'm assuming a lot of that trillions is because of turnover. You go hire some Big shot, and then it doesn't work out, or they're in the wrong role, and so, yeah. I mean, we've experienced that, right? We've experienced that. Uh, we've had some really good hires in the last few years. You know, we've had a, a couple of mistakes, especially prior to to bringing CI on, um, and there is a high cost to that, and it's it's really, um, you know, obviously the the actual dollars that you pay the person and pay the next person, but that. That lost training, that sort of sense of man, we got to start over, um, just after you've made that hire, you know, six months or a year later, is sort of a deflating feeling. It's expensive. It's deflating. It's not really great for the team. And so, uh, fortunately, by bringing on Culture on Index and and staying close to you, John B, we've been able to avoid a lot of those mistakes. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fascinating concept, and um, and. I really, really appreciate you coming on. I feel a little bit like we didn't totally—I mean, we we just kind of scratched the surface, really, of what you all do. So um, I have a feeling there's some people who are going to be really interested in this. Um, and just so everyone knows, uh, you know, this your company has offices all over the country, right? And John has clients all over the country. So this is not just. Kansas City, or you're actually um, in Tennessee now, is where you live, right, with your family. Um, but, but absolutely, a nationwide opportunity. If anyone's listening to this and interested to, to talking to John B, how do they find you online? Uh, how do they get a hold of you to talk more Culture Index and and what you can do for their organization?
1: Yeah, you can go to CultureIndex.com and request a um, free complimentary access and just reference my name john conger or you can go to linkedin uh, look up john conger culture index if you even want to email me you can email j so that's j-c-o-n-g-e-r at cultureindex.com and the first thing i always um, show is there's a five, 10 minute survey. If you've got interest, I'd encourage you just to take it. If there's not a right or wrong, pass, felon and i on an educational call in 15 minutes, I'll just walk you through it. And that's the easiest way to show it, give you some personal insights so you can see it, feel it, experience it. And if you wanna talk further from there, I'm happy to just make some uh, educational for you.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, it's a little bit scary how much John will be able to tell you about yourself after taking this survey. Uh, but, but it's absolutely fascinating. I highly recommend uh, that, that everyone listening, at, at minimum, get on the website and check it out and take a sample survey. So um, with that, we'll kind of wrap it up. I, I can't thank you enough, my friend. It's great to see you. Um, I hope that you'll be a regular guest and maybe come back later this year or next season and, and just keep us updated on what's going on. Um, I love how data-driven your business is and you always have great insights. Um, about you know what's going on in the world uh, today, so I really appreciate that. Thank you again.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, that's another episode of Renewables. Please make sure to give us a like, a follow uh, wherever you listen to your podcast—Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, you can find us on Anchor, and that links out to about a gajillion. There's a lot of places to listen to podcasts these days, so. We hope you'll give us a follow. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to more episodes coming down the pipe. Thanks again, John B. Take care.
1: Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye.
0: Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America.